in sharing the plight of two of my uh, dear, near and dear friends. Um, uh, I can't help but um, be aware of just the inevitability for all of us to meet times and maybe even presently people who are near and dear to you or even in your own lives or your own situations uh, being challenged by um, by things that are really difficult to bear. It's, that's the one of the general definitions for the, the Buddhist uh, concept of dukkha, that which is difficult to bear, the unsatisfactoriness of situations in life, the unreliability, the basic painful nature of many things that happen to us, and that, that no one can avoid these in our lives. And what, what our practice offers is the ability, the potential to find our composure, to find our balance, even with things that are very, very unpleasant. And when I was thinking about even the extension of our conversation about the 100-day retreat that we started last Thursday, the 22nd, that will be ending on January 1st, I thought about everyone who might be engaged in that 100 days and all the different things that may be going on in your life and all the... the challenges of actually inputting something like that into your into your life where you really put your tush on the cush you really expand whatever you want to expand and do and reflect on what you need to do on behalf of that and really do it it just reminded me that our minds no matter what our situation our our minds are are this creative field of possibility and one of the most, the greatest inspirations for this for me was, I don't know how many of you read uh, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. It was a really important book for me because it was a story of someone who was incarcerated, as many people were, were during the Holocaust and during World War II, and put in excruciating, impossible situations, impossible conditions. And the one thing that Viktor Frankl knew was, uh, was unassailable, was unreachable, was his mind. He knew that he could, he could, he was, he still had his mind. No matter what they did to him, he could still think and feel and, and imagine and it was his it was that capacity to make something with his mind make something with his life regardless of the outer conditions that saved him during during the uh, during world war 2 and it's a reminder to all of us that no matter what's going on we can we can work with our minds and nobody can take that away from us not only can nobody take away from us it is inherently a a field of creative of creative possibility. So, you can hear from just hearing about Viktor Frankl, you can hear that no situation is something on its own. Every situation is what what some would call empty. It it is what it is, but it has no inherent meaning until our mind projects whatever it projects on it. And you know how some people take 
situations that are very painful and see them as challenges. Some people see them as, as uh, signs of defeat or signs of, of uh, some kind of uh, something's wrong. And it just shows that there is a creative uh, re- approach, a creative response to any situation. So we've all, each of us has our own individual lives. We have very strongly conditioned patterns. We have been, uh, we've been habituated by often unconsciously planting seeds without knowing it, planting seeds of greed, planting seeds of hatred, planting seeds of delusion, and we're surrounded every day by people who are planting seeds of greed, hatred, and delusion. Yet, in the middle of it all, in the middle of what could be considered a sea of ignorance, a sea of, of pain, there's so much stress, there's so much tension, there's so much... There's so much sorrow in this world, yet in the middle of it, there are those, and I include you, there are those who can see, can touch, even in the midst of painful circumstances, can touch a light, can touch the light of attention, can for one moment, as you can every Tuesday night or any time you remember, you can stop for a moment, not look back, not look ahead, not think for a moment, and you may find, even in the midst of, of whatever is going on, you may find a kernel of light, of truth, of love, that it's always there, always available. Our mind can come out of the, as I used the passage last week from Rumi, come out of the tangle of fear thinking for one moment, and as he continues, live in silence, just for a moment, and he, he suggests, let that flow down and down and down in ever-widening rings of being. All of a sudden, our, our heart and mind widens for a moment. Nothing changed in our life situation. But for a moment, we stopped. We stopped moving in that... We f- stopped swinging our arms so much and... and leaning forward with our heads, and for one moment we settled in, settled back, took absolutely no effort, and maybe you discovered, just in that simple moment, peace is there, open, inviting, and comfortable. Took not a split second of time. Now how, just consider revisiting that hundreds of times a day. Simple moments of mindful attention. I was reflecting on when I started my meditation practice in, well, I started in 1971 doing transcendental meditation. And for the first several months of doing it, I would, I decorated my bed with Indian tapestries and a canopy, put on a big set of headphones and sat under there and my friends watched me meditate (laughs) and then teased me for the rest of the day. They they called me Mr. Natural. (laughs) But I did it every day. And even though I was doing this silly mantra that 
was supposedly secret, but then when I asked all my friends, they all had the same one. (laughs) But I did it, and because I did it with some earnestness, very quickly, my mind, my mind quieted down, and I felt the fruits of, of doing that. And I did it over and over for several months, and there was a, there was a result to it. Now, of course, if I, I didn't sustain the, the mantra meditation, and so my life devolved again into whatever else I was into. But then I hit a period where I discovered the practice of insight meditation. And starting in the uh, latter part of the 70s, really from the 78 until 19, I would say, well, I'll just talk about the time before I started to teach meditation. But from 1978 until 1985, and I, I continued with a lot of intensive practice after that, but from 78 to 85, I hardly missed a moment. And I spent months and months every year in silence, usually three, four months at a time. And little did I know it, but after about seven years, I understood things differently. Things were different. My, my view of reality had changed. And, and my mind had, had uh, I had touched something, some kind of inner quiet, that in spite of all the, ma- all the turbulence that can go on, inner and outer now, there is a substratum of silence that I'm always in touch with now, that I wasn't before. And that was the result. It was not something that I added to my being. It's something I realized from doing that over and over again. And so there was a fruit to that. There was a fruit. And it was because I just kept doing it over and over again. And... I, don't, I ultimately don't think that the, the form that I did it was important. I think it was just the fact that I, was, I became interested in it and the doing of it kept conditioning the desire to do more of it. And that interest just built on itself to the point where it really did pervade my life. And I say this not to tell you how, how fruitful my practice has been or anything special about me it's more the reminder that whatever seeds we plant if you do it with a certain kind of continuity you will experience the results and it's completely open to you we often though uh, we make a lot of choices we make thousands of choices every day but we often make them unconsciously And so this opportunity, at least for me, the opportunity to support you doing a 100-day practice period, 100-day of expanding something in your life, of widening your circle of whatever it is that, widening your circle of practice to begin with in, in general, but more specifically, something that you want to strengthen and widen in your life, whether it's love, whether it's generosity, whether it's patience, whether it's kindness, whether it's compassion, whether it's joy, whether it's delight, whatever it is that you want to widen, I want to be able to support you to stay with it enough to experience its fruits so that the very experience that you have becomes the cause and condition for you to just keep enhancing it until it becomes automatic. 
And I think that's just a matter of habit strength. The way you got to be the way you are was strictly a result of what you practiced, for better or for worse. As Padmasambhava said, if you want to understand your past, look at your present experience. If you want to understand your future, look at your present actions. So what is it, um, what is it, uh, what is it that you would like to cultivate? So in, the, in behalf of supporting this, this, uh, in, this strengthening of, of the habit of all that is perhaps more wholesome in your life that you would like to cultivate... I, wanted, I thought that it would be helpful if you could articulate very clearly to yourself, maybe you've already done this in the last week, and I'm, sen- I'm saying this also to the people who may be listening to this. We, we just got a letter from a community in Oregon that listens to our Tuesday nights every week, and they're doing this along with us. And there are other people who, who aren't in this room, and now they're People everywhere. It's kind of freaky in a way, but (laughs) hello out there. (laughs) But I would like everyone to articulate what it is that you intend to do, what it is you would like to do with this 100 days. I'd like you to, if you can, those of you who live here and even those afar, I'd like you to write it down. I'd like you to save a copy for yourself, and I'd like you to send me a copy. I want to be in there with you. I want to. I want to mingle with your process. I know that I can't talk to all whoever, all the people who are doing this, but I would like to know, and I'd like you to know that people care about what you're doing. So I'd like you to. Someone shared their intentions with me today in their hundred-day practice. It's this is one of the most um, ambitious. But this is a person who's really doing this every day, pretty much doing it already. But I'll I'll just share this as an example of what you might do for this 100 days. I commit myself, first she wrote the dates, 22nd September to 1st of January 2012. I commit myself to the following, twice daily, long sitting meditations, 50 to 60 minutes. Twice daily, Short sitting meditations, 10 to 20 minutes. Daily silence for the first three hours of the day. Twice a month, day-long silence. To be conscious of everything that I'm thinking, saying, and doing. To be aware of my body sensations at all times. To trust and and respect my process. To be aware of when I'm lost in thought. To widen my loving kindness and compassion to all. To include creativity and writing into my daily practice. And to breathe. I found this very inspiring and I hope you do too. Now we have to be just like the practice of Donna. We always have to, when we reflect on practicing dana and generosity, we also ha- we we often have to consider what what uh, both what we what kinds of resources, time, energy we have, and make sure that we don't 
we don't extend ourselves too much in our giving, but not our, extend ourselves too little so that we don't feel the full benefits, like the full feeling of generosity. Uh, it's the same with this practice. You have to really consider what you can handle. But the other thing about what you can handle, the beauty of even this list that seems exhaustive, is it the thought of it is daunting, isn't it? Any of you have that daunted, daunted feeling? The thought of it is daunting, but the reality of it is as simple as that moment when your last thought ceased and before the next one came. It's only a moment at a time. It's a moment at a time. And, the only, and you can only, in this hundred days, you cannot take care of one moment that happened already, nor can you take care of one that hasn't happened. You can only take care of this moment. And so moment by moment, if you can remember that you're only and always here and now, moment by moment, it's not that daunting. It's just the thought of it that's daunting. But hopefully the thought of it is not just daunting, but it's also inspiring too. But nevertheless, it's just a moment at a time. And so it, it's really the art of having vision, having view, having ambition really, a certain kind of ambition, not egoic ambition to become the great meditator in the sky and be a better meditator than everybody else. Like my emptiness is better than your emptiness. It's really the ambition to, to uh, nurture that which needs nurturing, to expand that which needs expanding, and to do every day what it is on behalf of uh, what, it, what you need to do on behalf of all the things that you uh, most long for in your life uh, within reason that, that are worth longing for. And the Buddha suggests that you long, that you give rise to that one desire that no other desire can fulfill, the desire to have a free heart and mind, and then with that freedom to be of benefit to others. And that is completely within your heart uh, capacity and your mind's capacity. And you're also, not only is freedom available, but you are free to be free. And there is no situation, as I said earlier, there's no situation that can keep you from doing this except your own mind and your own habits. And that's why we need all the support we can get. So please write down... If you don't mind sharing it with me, maybe even sign your name to it so you feel a little bit accountable. And I'll even sign it for you if, it's, if that helps. And I, then you're really on the hook. No, just kidding. So that's just one element of it. The second element that I mentioned last week is that I think it would be a, a huge support to have a buddy in this. And, <laughs> how sweet. Just so for those listening from afar, we have buddies that I can see people giving them each other beautiful eye contact. They're the buddies. So some of you already have buddies. But I'd be interested to know how many of you would like a buddy who, who don't have buddies, who would like someone to do this with. Okay. Okay, I would like to somehow, maybe we could take uh, 
I have a, a pad of paper. I'm trying to think if we can just do this here. Could you put your arms up again? Boy, everybody's... Would it be possible to just hook up with somebody who's sitting next to you? Is there anybody up here besides Kevin? There you go. So I think all you, all of you who have buddies or... Did everybody who wants a buddy connect with someone? Okay, we need, have one other person who needs a buddy. Anybody volunteer to be a buddy? Shanna, Shanna. Okay. Madison, Shanna. So those of you who are buddies, just you have to decide for yourself how you want to support each other with how frequent you'd like to check in. It can be as simple as, as emails or or phone calls, or it's really up to you, but just check in and just to see how the practice period's going. And we'll figure it out. I'm, I'm not so practiced at this myself. This is my practice to do this, to actually help form this 100-day practice period. But I, I am convinced by, by the the fruit of my own practice when I, especially the intensive practice periods that I did, I was able to actually see from, from beginning to, uh, not beginning to end, but through that period, I could see that there are fruits to doing something frequently. And as the Buddha said, whatever one frequently dwells upon becomes the inclination of the mind. So if you frequently dwell upon that which you'd like to cultivate, it will become the it will become the the um, inclination of your mind. And so that's where you'll that's where you'll live, and it's completely up to you. So, any questions about this before we move on to please? Yeah, if uh, yeah, if there are people who want to, from afar, who are not here, that, or even those who are here who would like a buddy and need and don't have one, you can go to the Facebook page and we'll figure out some way to arrange it. There's a Facebook page for the hundred day retreat. Is it accessible through our website? Okay, it will be accessible through the website. But those on Facebook can just put in hundred day retreat and should come up somewhere. You don't really need to be on Facebook. <laughs> but you may need to work with your attitude about Facebook. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That was not that was that was uncalled for. <laughs> But I know that you have such a good sense of humor that it was workable. Any other questions, comments? Please, Linda. Emailing me your intentions would be absolutely fine. You can do that also through the, the website. Uh, 
or yeah isn't that that's not the way to go oh that they can send a message through the website won't I get it oh then let me give you my email address mission dot dharma mission dot dharma at gmail dot com mission dot dharma at gmail dot com pretty easy it's, it's mission dharma with a dot in between mission and dharma <laughs> so this is the ode to Ode to the 100-Day Retreat from Shel Silverstein, called Me Stew. I have nothing to put in my stew, you see, not a bone or a bean or a black-eyed pea. So I'll just climb in the pot to see if I can make a, if I can make a stew out of me. I'll put in some pepper and salt, and I'll sit in the bubbling water. I won't scream a bit. I'll sing while I simmer, I'll smile while I'm stewing. I'll taste myself often to see how I'm doing. I'll stir me around with this big wooden spoon and serve myself up at a quarter to noon. So bring out your stew bowls, you gobblers and snackers, farewell. I hope you enjoy me with crackers. So just a reminder about sitting in the stew of our practice is that it is just a moment, a moment at a time. So notice the way your mind projects it as something uh, too much. And if whatever your mind says is too much, that's just a thought. It's an idea. And of course it will have a physical reverberation, an overwhelmed thought. But start to tease out the difference between the reality and the thought about things. The reality is very simple. The reality right now is as simple as one of six experiences happening. What are the six experiences? Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. That's all. That's all that is ever happening in a moment. Even when something very intense is happening. It's just a moment at a time. So every situation is potentially uncomplicated. Even if you have to work out some very challenging problem, it is uncomplicated in its unfolding moment-to-moment experience. Our mind will endlessly complicate things. It will endlessly create overwhelm. What we do in this practice is we notice our mind getting overwhelmed. We let that be our practice, is to notice the mind of overwhelm, notice the mind that projects time, notice the the mind that projects a view of our own unworthiness or our own um, whatever doubt or fear. We we use it all in the service of of growing our loving-kindness and our mindful attention. So when you see your mind coming up with all kinds of conclusions, all kinds of considerations, all kinds of excuses. Don't judge yourself about that. Just give yourself lots of love for all the ways that your mind foolishly tries to protect you 
from some imagined issue, all the innocent ways that we defend against reality, it's really all, even our craziness is an attempt to try to find some relief, but we see that it doesn't work, and we try to, we be kind, we're kind with it, but we don't keep feeding those ideas. Hopefully, in the period of practice, you'll get to see your mind, how crazy your mind is. Who was it? Uh, Bhante Gudnaratni says, somewhere in the process of meditation, you'll discover that you are completely crazy. Your mind is a shrieking madhouse, barreling down the hill, out of control and hopeless or helpless. No big deal. It's not a big deal. You're no worse than you were yesterday. It's always been this way. You just didn't notice. But the noticing begins a change. It begins a, it begins a change of creating space. The art of meditation is the art of making space. Creating space to be able to have all of our mishigas, all of our stuff, but not be ruled by it. To be the, the host instead of the guest. To be the host instead of being able to even manage unruly guests that flow through our mind. And this is the, this is the freedom that can come if we are regular with our practice, regular with our mindful attention, and regular with loving-kindness. For those of you who want to make loving-kindness a part of your practice, I'll just say a few words about that in the last minutes, and then we'll maybe even do a little loving-kindness practice. The Buddha often gave the practice of loving kindness to the the monks because they were sitting in the forest and they were frightened and to pacify their fear and to there's a, some a little bit more mystical elements of it to pacify the beings in the forest the field of loving kindness would be uh, is a beautiful thing and you'll notice that beings who emanate a lot of loving kindness Put others at ease. There's a there's a um, there's an impact to that. But the Buddha offered this to people who were either struggling with ill will, struggling with self judgment, struggling with fear. He gave the practice of loving kindness. It's understood that loving kindness is a natural expression of our hearts and minds when they are when our mind and heart is wide. That's what our minds do, and. I had the good fortune this last weekend of leading a retreat in, in another state. And at the end of the retreat, we had the, the traditional go-around where people talk about what happened to them on the retreat. And I could tell that over the course of this retreat, people were struggling a lot, but they were, they were practicing every day, orienting their mind to their body, orienting themselves to the present moment, and almost to a person, as they spoke at the end of the retreat, there was this palpable tenderness and warmth and kindness and just this generosity of spirit that just came flowing out. And that, this is our, all of our nature. It is, it is natural to us when, the condition, when we create the, both the inner and the outer conditions for this. We can't always create the outer conditions, but we can create the inner conditions. So this is the natural expression of awakened heart. 
But it's understood also that sometimes we have to reteach ourselves. You know that Galway Canal line that I share a lot where he says, it's called St. Francis and the Sow. He says, sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to remind you with all kinds of kindness. So the way that we do that, the way we remember that, that noble, that immeasurable quality of loving kindness is we use our conceptual mind to incline our, incline our hearts and minds to remember that which is so inherent in our hearts. And this is a practice of loving kindness. And it's the basis for all the immeasurable qualities of compassion when that kindness meets pain, joy, sympathetic joy when it meets good joy and good fortune. And it also is the basis for the grandmotherly love, equanimity, the sense of a, a steadfastness and balance and openness to the joys and the sorrows that comes through this boundless heart. That's the quality of equanimity or balance. So the traditional recitation of of loving kindness, one always begins with oneself. The Buddha said you could scan the universe in all directions, or the world in all directions, and not find anyone more deserving of loving kindness than oneself. So we start, and you can even start right this moment, and during this practice period, every day, you may first, I like to start with a little physical gesture of loving kindness. I rub my heart a little bit, so we could even do a little... Rub-a-dub-dub right now. But through the, the use of words, we start to penetrate our hearts with that wish, may I be happy. And at first you may not feel anything. You may not even be able to connect with your desire to be happy. So if you really have a hard time connecting with it, you might think of somebody who you know would like you to be happy. Somebody who you know loves you, cares about you. But as much as you can do it yourself, may I be happy, traditional pairs were, may I be happy and peaceful. That which we long for. Anybody here not want to be happy and peaceful? May I feel safe and protected. Safety, protection from inner harm, from my own mental illness. Safety from inner harm and outer harm. I'm going to feel safe in this world. May I feel healthy and strong. And knowing that we have limitations in our health, may I meet my limitations graciously. And may I have ease in my heart. May my heart be at ease. May I have a sense of well-being. Traditionally, the words are translated as ease of well-being. May my heart be filled with loving kindness. And a very reliable one that we all need to remember, that you can plant this seed every day. May I accept myself just the way I am. May I be happy and peaceful safe and protected, healthy and strong. May I have ease of well-being. May my heart be filled with loving kindness. May I accept myself as I am. Now, having heard some of those, you can make up your own. In fact, you can even let me know what your phrases are. I'm always interested in some good metaphrases. 
word metta or loving kindness. Highly recommend you make this part of your period, especially good for dealing with self-loving kindness, very good for dealing with any of the resistance that you see or any of the self-defeating patterns that you notice. Just meet it all with loving kindness, great mercy and care to your hearts and minds. So while we're in these last couple minutes, let's just reflect on each other, how we will we will be supporting our practice. We do support each other's practice. And really appreciate and give loving kindness to everyone here who's sitting with you tonight. Everyone who may be sitting with us in spirit tonight. Anyone in the world that is practicing giving active energy to the intention to awaken, to be kind, to be generous, to be loving. And include within our field of loving kindness all beings everywhere in all circumstances. Your nearest and dear ones, beings who support you a lot in your life, your benefactors, your friends, family, Include the people who you don't even think of usually. People who you're oblivious to. The people who are hidden from us. Even bring to mind all the beings who we consider our difficult people, our enemies. People we have a hard time with. They also want to be happy and peaceful in spite of their misguided ways of doing that at least in our opinion expanding our field of loving kindness to include all beings who breathe all beings who draw breath all beings who are individuals in this world all the creatures of this world all the creatures of the air of the sea of the land until all beings are included within our circle of loving kindness And so may the fruits of our practice, may our life, may everything be fed into this deep wish that all beings can have happiness and peace, that all beings can feel safe and protected from inner and outer harm, that all beings can feel health and strength and well-being and ease, that all beings can accept themselves as they are and be filled with loving kindness. And a deep wish that our practice today and for the next 95 days and then our whole life be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all beings. May all beings be free and be filled with loving kindness. Okay, thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for all the blessings for Eugene and Hanuman and keep them in your prayers in the next days. And just a reminder for the the practice of Donna of generosity. We have the room rental Donna. Much appreciation for any support. It's 150 a week, so 
always great to have the support of Room Rental Donna, teaching Donna, teacher Donna, my practices to offer my Donna in the form of offering freely whatever's here, and and if you're willing and able to practice Donna in the form of of support, there's a basket there. There's the there's the uh, checks to the. You can feel free to make checks for Donna to the uh, church here. Makes it tax deductible and of course helps to pay the rent. Also, we have the PayPal account on uh, on our website. And I hope you all wish you all a great hundred day retreat. And we also have someone here, Marie, who wants to go to Spirit Rock on Saturday. Thank you for reminding me. I have a half day on Sunday afternoon loving the house that Ego built at Spirit Rock. That's the that's my half day. So come to Spirit Rock, but she's coming you're going on Saturday for which day with LGBT retreat on Saturday. Is anyone going to Spirit Rock on Saturday that Marie can get a ride? Sorry, but don't forget Sunday afternoon, 1.30 to 5 uh, at Spirit Rock, loving the house that Ego built. It's all about learning how to love all of our neurosis. Anyway, love you all and hope to see you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.